Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Barbara, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, I have a plumbing problem. Uh, when I turn the shower on in the master bathroom, uh, which is the low end of the system. Uh, it appears uh, there's black stuff coming up. It appears that it's it's dirt rather than sewer. And then next to that, and this is all in the line, next to that is a tub, and a little bit comes up in the tub. And then next to that is a toilet, which bubbles but does not come up black. And then uh, there are four bathrooms in the house and uh, up the line is a powder room which doesn't seem to be affected at all the, the toilet in there is fine and, and the uh, there's a Jack and Jill bathroom and that, that appears to be working too so I'm wondering where I should start with this I'm hoping I won't have to um, have it uh, it's a slab so I'm wondering yeah. whether it has to be yeah and I'm thinking about maybe a camera going down through the Yes, system. ma'am. It's, it, well, this is it's an older an home, house. isn't it? It's, uh, yes, it's uh, built in 71. Okay. It sounds like you got a break in the sewer system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is it's it, somewhere it, 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 you must have a blockage, not necessarily that's stopping all the water, but allowing it to back up. And that is pulling some of the dirt from the break and and uh-huh. ha- allowing it to come up into these these different things. So, yeah, the, the first thing that would be done is what's called a, a static test on the sewer static. system. That's Yeah, static. S-T-A-T. Uh-huh. I see. Uh-huh. And what they uh-huh. do, they block the water where it exits the house, fill the entire uh-huh. system, and see if it holds. Oh, if it okay. doesn't then you start doing what's called an isolation test and that's where mm-hmm. they start blocking different sections and they'll use cameras to make sure everything is blocked properly and start narrowing down exactly where the breaks are and since you know from your description there's already a good idea where the breaks are going to be if you will call if you'll call my office at Due West uh okay. we have we have a full plumbing division that they do this every day uh-huh. And the number is 972-972-406-0912. Okay. Um, next door, there are there is a row of uh, uh, palm trees. Uh-huh. And I, I know that the roots are, uh, I guess, pretty deep on pine trees. They're, they're large. They're probably yes. 50 feet tall. And I'm wondering if they could have um, uh, uh, invaded the system. Absolutely. Now this is this is old, so it's you know the plumbing. Yeah. It has uh, uh, been a problem a little bit in the past uh, about uh, beyond the toilet, the uh-huh. last toilet. And uh, I did have a camera run down there, maybe. Well, probably 15 years ago, and there, there's a, probably a little blip there, but it wasn't yeah. broken or anything. It just, it just, uh, um, 
it causes a problem there. Do you know if so it's it, is it a cast iron system still? Whatever they put in, it's in seventy one. Well, in seventy one, there some places were still cast iron and some were PVC. Oh no, it's not. I don't think it's PVC. Okay, then no. it's going to be cast iron. So right. Yeah. Okay, okay, so that's it. So so putting uh, we bought a, a, a little camera. I'm wondering if we could go through the um, the um, tub uh, drain, but do you think that would work? Well, out? normally you. Uh, for most cam- cameras, you have to go down through the toilet. Now, the, I think you you bought probably one of those real small ones, so it it would go th- down through a tub. But you got to remember, there's a p trap underneath there, and oh, okay. unless you've got a, a pretty good length of cable, you won't get down to see anything. Okay, okay, and, and so there doesn't sound maybe like it has to be uh, uh, jackhammer. No, if it needs to be replaced, it can be done from tunneling outside. Oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah, good. yeah. Okay. No, I, I would not um, recommend jackhammering to to do this because I have seen plumbers they get started on something like this and they say, "Well, I just got to go a little bit further. I just got to go a little bit further because I, I I'm still finding this break and I got to go a little further." And the next thing you know, they got the house cut in two. Yeah. And so, no, do it, do it, don't. Yeah, do it. Do it from tunneling underneath the house. Do you have any idea whether insurance would cover any of this? If you have a special endorsement. Yeah, if you have a special endorsement on your policy, it will. Now, if you go back 20 years ago, we all had homeowner B policies. And yes, Uh it was covered Uh back then. Now, you have to have an endorsement for accidental water discharge. Oh, okay. And uh, in some cases for foundation issues as well, uh-huh. then then you would have coverage. But if you go through your policy, it would be listed as an endorsement to the policy. All and right. it's something you yeah, would have paid a little extra for. Yeah, I'm, so I don't think I have it. <laughs> well, Most homeowners so don't. your help. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot for your help. Barbara, you take care. You too. Gene, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Um, I heard your comment on cast iron pipes, and we have a situation. Uh, uh, an engineer told us that we had two um, sewer leaks underneath our foundation just by walking on the floors. Is that possible to tell that? Just yes, ma'am. I do it all the time. Oh, okay. And, right. and here's here's the reason it's possible. when typically on an older home, if you're walking across a floor and you come where there's a hump in the floor, it's usually an indication that there's a leak in the sewer system. Well, he told us where it was, and we walk and look, and we can't see it. But um, if that's something an engineer could tell by walking, well, then my next if, question is... If he's highly experienced, he can. Okay. Uh, we had a plumbing company out to see about running the camera through, seeing where the leaks were or whatever. Well, he tells us our cast iron pipes are so old that they need to be completely replaced. Yep. And and he's uh, um, saying it'll cost twenty five to $30,000 on our little house, which is uh, uh, thirteen to 1,400 square feet. Is that possible to cost that much? It's possible, but highly unlikely. 
high, highly unlikely. Um, I mean, there are companies who will charge that much, but man, I, I got to tell you, for a house that size, that just sounds almost double what I would think. Oh, okay. Now, I know you have a plumbing company, but is there one in this area? I know you have Houston in, in this area too, so. Yes, ma'am. I, I, I do plumbing all over DFW area. I have full I have a, a plumbing company in Houston. I have a plumbing company in Dallas. Uh, foundation repair here, Houston Corpus. So, yeah, I, I definitely can take care of that for you. Okay. And what is the name of your plumbing company? Due West. D-U-West. Yes. And uh, the number is 972-406-0912. Okay. And uh, we do have some foundation problems, too. So uh, what is your foundation company? It's Due West as well. You, just, you can just oh. call that same number, and we can come out and oh. take care of both things at once. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. You bet, Jean. You take care. Bye-bye. And, and, you know, a lot of times foundation problems go hand-in-hand hand with plumbing problems, and that's the reason I got into the plumbing business. I mean, we started foundation repair back in 1978, and we added plumbing uh, in the mid to late 80s because we just kept coming across where the plumbing problems caused the foundation problems. And quite frankly, we got tired of waiting on plumbers to come out and do the repairs because sometimes they take up to three weeks after we've already exposed everything. And so we finally just hired our, you know, hired our own employees, started our own plumbing company, and so we can keep everything moving on a better timeline that way. Anyways, let me talk to you about Sunburst. Gene, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Um, I heard your comment on cast iron pipes, and we have a situation. Uh, uh, an engineer told us that we had two... Um, sewer leaks underneath our foundation just by walking on the floors. Is that possible to tell that? Just yes, ma'am. I do it all the time. Oh, okay. And, right. and, and here's here's the reason it's possible. When Typically on an older home, if you're walking across a floor and you come where there's a hump in the floor, it's usually an indication that there's a leak in the sewer system. Well, he told us where it was, and we walk and look, and we can't see it. But um, if that's something an engineer could tell by walking, well, then my next if, question is... If he's highly experienced, he can. Okay. Uh, we had a plumbing company out to see about running the camera through, seeing where the leaks were or whatever. Well, he tells us our cast iron pipes are so old that they need to be completely replaced. Yep. And, and he's... Uh, um, Saying it'll cost twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars on our little house, which is uh, uh, thirteen to fourteen hundred square feet. Is that possible? To cost that much? It's possible, but highly unlikely. High, highly unlikely. Um, I mean, there are companies who will charge that much, but man, I, I got to tell you, for a house that size, that just sounds almost double what I would think. Oh, okay. Now. I know you have a plumbing company, but is there one in this area? I know you have Houston in, in this area, too. So Yes, ma'am. I, I, I do plumbing all over DFW area. I have, full, I have a, a plumbing company in Houston. I have a plumbing company in Dallas. Uh, foundation repair here, Houston Corpus. So, yeah, I, I definitely can take care of that for you. 
Okay, and what is the name of your plumbing company? Due West. D-U-West. Yeah. And uh, the number is 972-406-0912. Okay. And uh, we do have some foundation problems, too. So uh, what is your foundation company? It's Due West as well. You, you can just oh. call that same number, and we can come out and oh. take care of both things at once. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. You bet, Jean. You take care. Bye-bye. And, and, you know, a lot of times foundation problems go hand-in-hand hand with plumbing problems, and that's the reason I got into the plumbing business. I mean, we started foundation repair back in 1978, and we added plumbing uh, in the mid to late 80s because we just kept coming across where the plumbing problems caused the foundation problems. And quite frankly, we got tired of waiting on plumbers to come out and do the repairs because sometimes they take up to three weeks after we've already exposed everything and so we finally just hired our, you know hired our own employees started our own plumbing company and so we can keep everything moving on a better timeline that way lee welcome to texas home improvement yes thank you for taking my call i'll ask a quick question okay i'm buying a i'm buying a new home what type of insurance do i need and who do i who do i deal with now when you say you're buying is it a brand new home or is it just is new it? to you no, it's a brand new home. Okay. You're going to need homeowner's insurance. Okay. And, you know, most of the time I kind of tell homeowners if you're buying insurance on an older home, I want you to take out a couple of endorsements, one for accidental water discharge uh, and possibly, depending on where the home is and how old it is, one for uh, some foundation coverage. And mm -hmm. the reason for those two, they used to be included in homeowner's policies. And about 15 years ago, they changed the policies, and now those are special endorsements. Mm -hmm. uh, on a brand-new home, I'm not as worried about taking those endorsements because you, you're, you're going to have a 10-year warranty on the foundation already. And the fact that you got brand-new PVC pipes under the home means I, I wouldn't lose a lot of sleep over plumbing going bad either, especially the first several years of the home. Now, mm -hmm. you're going to want to take a look at your deductibles on the policy. That's what really makes a big difference on the cost of the insurance. You have to decide how much of the risk of having something happen do you want to take. You know, there's, there's a big difference on the cost of the insurance if you've got a $200 deductible versus a $2,000 deductible because that means you're covering the first $2,000. So price it, uh, you know, with a, accordingly with a couple different uh, options so you can make the financial decision which one you want. And uh, depending on where this home is, you may want to consider flood insurance even if you're not even if you're not within the flood plains, you may want to consider flood insurance. Uh, if you know that that area tends to get water in it, uh, and especially in a new neighborhood where you don't really know yet, I would probably tend to get it. Flood insurance is extremely cheap if you're not in the floodplain, and those okay, are the ones so I would look at. The home that I'm buying is that you ever heard of City Park off of 288? I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you on hold, and I'll come right back to you right after this quick break. Often irritated never duplicated.
Here's more with Jim Dutton on Texas Home Improvement. Hey, welcome back to Texas Home Improvement. 713-212-5874. If you're outside the Houston area, 866-937-0003. When we left, I was talking with uh, Lee about some insurance stuff. And Lee, uh, go ahead. Okay, uh, the home I'm buying is is called uh, City Park, right off of 288. Okay, I checked it, and the uh, drainage is real good. I never known it uh, to flood in that area. You know, um, there's a a lot of areas in Houston that have never flooded, and as time goes on, they become flood areas. Um, th- there's some areas. Oh, like over in Memorial and such, right, right. Those, okay. those, yeah, those homes had never flooded, and then all of a sudden, I mean, here we're talking forty-year-old houses; they're getting two and three feet of water. So okay. it it can happen depending on the storm that comes in. Now, uh, and, and I, I'm not saying you have to have it, but I would definitely price out flood insurance, especially the area that you're talking about, uh, right, because right. if we get a hurricane that comes in. The whole area could easily be underwater over there. Oh, okay. Okay, what other question I want to ask? What is an umbrella policy? What is what? An umbrella policy. Oh, an umbrella policy covers, you got your auto policy, you've got your homeowner's policy, and, you know, whatever other policies you have. And then you can take this umbrella policy that kicks in if you max out the insurance limits of your primary policy which would be your homeowners and auto policy so let's just say you got a hundred thousand dollar coverage on the car insurance and a hundred thousand on the house i'm just using round numbers and then you can take a five hundred thousand dollar umbrella policy Mm -hmm. so for some reason you have a a car accident where you take out a mercedes-benz car dealership and you've got you say 20 cars that you got to buy that umbrella policy kicks in once you've maxed out your regular policy and starts picking up the difference. Okay. Most homeowners don't need an umbrella policy. Well, you think I ought to get it? It all depends on what you have and what kind of limits you put on your regular insurance. Typically, an umbrella policy is not needed unless you have an awful lot of assets okay. or you you take out... Uh, you know, that you, that you have something that could really damage beyond what your regular policy is going to cover. For most of us, no, you, you, we, we don't need an umbrella policy. Okay, well, I'm going to make sure I start with flood and homeowner. Yeah, sure I would definitely, and I'm not saying you have to have the flood, but at least price it. Because if you can get the flood insurance for, you know, a few hundred dollars, it is right, well right. worth having at that. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I sure appreciate that information. Thank you so much for taking my call. Not a problem, Lee. You have a great weekend, and good luck with the new home. Same to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And, and, and let me tell you, folks, insurance is one of those things we all got to have it because, let's face it, we can't dig in our pockets and replace everything, but you can go insurance poor, so you got to use common sense when you're buying it. What's the risk factor if you don't have it? Uh, and, and I'll tell you, if you're in an area where you've never flooded, you're not in a floodplain or anything like that, I want to encourage everybody to at least 
price out flood insurance. When you're in that type of situation, it is extremely cheap. And the first time you need it, you'll thank God that you have it. It's one of those insurances that uh, it can just devastate you if you don't have it. David, how can I help you? Uh, good afternoon, sir. I've got two questions. Um, my fiance and I bought a house. The first one, um, the electric box, the uh, the one the wires come into from the street, is loose on the siding. And I called the electric company up, and they said it's up to me to make sure it gets secured to the siding and to the wall. Yep. Um, what do I have to do? What do I have to watch out for so I don't get electrocuted here? Well, which box is it? Is, is, is it your breaker panel or is it the it, one it, with no, the meter? It, it's, the, it's the one with the meter. Okay. What you have to watch out for is any wire you touch is hot. Okay. Okay. That's um, it. So, and just wear, wear, wear gloves. Like, um, is it suggest, you suggest I wear gloves as I do this? or You know, I, I, I know the electricians wear them. Or, you know, the, the, the power company guys wear them. If you watch electricians, they a lot of times don't. But really what you're going to find is when you open up that panel, there's going to be some some screws that go in through the back of the panel right. that must have come loose or broke loose, one or the other. And right. they just need to be tightened up. So right. it, it's I, really just a matter of watching that you don't touch any of the metal in there. All right, and I do have one other question if you've got the time. I, I'm going to put you on hold, and I will come back to your question right after this. David, this is Jim. How can I help you? Okay, yes, sir. My, my yeah. other question is this. Oh, I my got it right. Hose... I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> no problem. No problem. I got two hose bibs, one on the front of the house, one on the, out, one on the back of the house. They're both leaking. I wanted yes. to replace them, but instead of them being screwed on to a half-inch pipe, it looks like it's half-inch on the outside, but they soldered them on. Yes. Now, I went to the box store. They said I could cut it, and there's like a gorilla type thing where you stick it on the pipe and you pull it, and it and, and it stays. Right. The problem is, if I cut the bibs off, I have like a half an inch of pipe sticking out to work with on the front of the house, and nothing sticking on the on the back of the house because they put the bib inside the siding. Yeah. How can I fix this? <clears throat> I would fix the the uh, hose bibs that you have. Have you tried tightening the packing yet? I have not, so just okay. unscrew it. Nope. Uh, the nut that's right under the handle that turns the water on and off. Okay. If you'll put a wrench on that and turn it just about a quarter turn. Okay. That tightens the packing that is around that stem, mm -hmm. and that typically will stop all your dripping. Okay, because it's a slight drip on the back, back of it, just slight. I mean, it's yep. not... Not a lot, but it's enough to probably affect my, my my water bill. Yep, and that normally will take care of that because usually what's dripping is just the, the water is flowing by where the packing is around the stems. Okay. So tr so try that before you bother replacing it. The other thing that you can do if that doesn't fix, you know, if if you've tightened that nut and it doesn't fix it, take that nut completely off, take uh -huh. the whole stem out, and just okay. replace all the washers on it. Okay. Put it, Put it back in, and you got a new faucet, basically. Okay, all right, yeah, because I got I got no pipe to work with, and I'm like going, oh, my options yeah. are limited. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not unusual. Most homes are that way. All right, I appreciate the time, sir. 
Alrighty. Thank you, sir. I was talking with Richard, and Richard, you said this is a parquet floor, or is it just a wood floor? No, it's a parquet floor from the 1956 era, the squares. Yeah, so it must have plywood then underneath the parquet on top of the two-by-fours. Uh, you're correct. Okay. So um, when I pull up that parquet floor, I'm going to uh, probably uh, have to pull up the uh, plywood also. Um, what are you I, wanting to go back with for flooring? Uh, regular laminate. Uh, six, uh, I guess five and a half. I guess that's what they're using, six-inch laminate. Okay. And um, trying to figure out, uh, I think they have the, um, like I said, they have the tar that they put down, and then they right. have the fours. Uh, I think on this uh, plywood, I, I guess that's what's under there, the substrates. I know on my hardwoods, I know that's exactly what they had was the tar and the two-by-fours. Right. Then they nailed to that, and that was a mess trying to take that up. Um, I did not take the tar up when I replaced one of the bedrooms, uh, just a section of it to see if it had mold and so forth because we had fish tanks, and they had warped the wood, and I pulled the wood up there. I'm just going to go ahead. I just went back with carpet on top of that. Uh, but in the den, I imagine they did the same thing. I don't want to go with the tar. I don't want to try to remove that. That's a, that's a mess. I want to yeah. see how you would do that in terms of after you remove, uh, the parquet. Are you having to pull the plywood up to get the parquet off or is the plywood staying? Uh, you know, that, that makes it pretty easy if you could do that. Yeah, I did well, there, there's huh? there's two two ways of doing it, and that's the reason I brought that up. If the, if the parquet will just pop off the plywood, I would leave the plywood and just go right on top of it. If I've got to pull the plywood in order to get the parquet off, I would simply pull the plywood, put new plywood, leave my two by fours and everything in place, because I'm I'm you know I know we got all this new stuff the way we're doing floors and stuff. But that old tar with the wood screeds on top was the best way to waterproof those houses that they've ever come up with, and the new stuff still doesn't do as good as that did. Um, do you have any information uh, in your knowledge about that tar? Is that tar hazardous in any way? No, it is not. not. At all. No. Even over the years, it hasn't degraded and so forth? And... No. Okay, we're good to go on that. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty simple fix. The other thing is, is that I've spoken with you about this uh, before. I have a sunken living room. I know a lot of people uh, had sunken living rooms. That seemed to be the thing back then. Yep. Um, you recommended, uh, now, I wanted to clarify this. You said I have hardwood floors in there. I pull the hardwood floors, just dump the concrete in there, level it off, come back, and you're good. Yep. Okay, around the edges friend of mine, we were talking and said, well, you've got some two-by-fours exposed there. What would you do in order, because you're going to put that concrete in there, that concrete's going to come up against those two-by-fours. Yes. And you don't want that to happen, from what I understand. Well, the concrete can come up to in touch with those two-by-fours because it's not, it, it, it's not exposed to moisture or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's really not going to hurt anything. But what you can do is put a material around the top side that covers the end of those two by fours. Yes, that's and, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And keeps the concrete from going up underneath the wood floors as well. 
Okay, you want to? You don't want to mention that material? Uh, oh, I I, I, it, it, there's any types of material, but uh, any type IVAC. of plastic would do it. Just a regular plastic? Uh, what a, uh, uh, not a not a regular. You'd have to have something uh, a really heavy duty type plastic. Uh, I use a material for root shield material, mm -hmm. and that could be cut and put along there very nicely. It's it's thin, but it's extremely strong and would hold the concrete with no problem. Yeah, what's the name of that? Uh, what, what's that again? You said what kind of material? Well, we use it for root shield. It's used for lining dumps is what it's used for. But if okay. you want to get some of it, you can call my office, and we'd be more than happy to give you some. Well, that's super-duper. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, I want to go back on one other thing on these parquet floors. Uh-huh. The floor that you want to go over the top, I'm assuming it's going to be a floating floor? Not necessarily. Okay. No. Uh, you mean uh, with a with a, some kind of a substrate under there that? Uh, well, no, on? just just that it's not glued or nailed down. Well, that, no, I really want to. Um, I'd really like to um, do one of those two, whichever okay. you think best. Either glue it or nail it. Uh, you know, to that uh, plywood. Well, with the wood that you've got there, with you know, if you're going to go back with the plywood that way, nail it down. It, it, don't don't glue it. The, the the that way, if you ever do need to change it out, you can. But more so than that, the installation is so much nicer. Okay, so do I need to put anything a barrier between that hardwood and the uh, plywood? No, some because kind of a, the, some the, kind of a roll-on barrier or anything like that. Nope, that tar that's underneath there is the barrier to protect the the moisture from coming up through the concrete. Through the through the through the plywood and so on. Yep. That's what they did. Okay. But I was, but yeah. But in today's laminates, I did not know if you needed to put anything, no. uh, you know, between that. Uh, if you were, and if you were going to go down on concrete, yeah, you you would put a barrier. But if you're going down on wood and you're going to nail it, you don't have to put a barrier. Now they do make some cushions. You may want to consider putting down that are for sound deadening when you walk on the the wood floors. Yes, but uh -huh. that's that's totally optional for you. Well, that is not. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Now, also on that uh, plywood, you recommend plywood rather than second-story um, uh, board? Yes. Plywood's okay. It won't squeak. We're good. We're, yeah. We, what? yeah. Yeah, there's no no problem with using plywood. And just make sure it's attached you know, very well to the 2x4 uh, screens, and it'll nail, be fine. Liquid nail and screws? I'm, I'm more worried about the screws than I am the liquid nail. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Okay. Well, that does it. That, that, that'll work. Richard, good luck with that. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate your input. My pleasure. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bobby in Pasadena, my hometown. How are you doing? Doing great today. What can I do for you? I've got a question. I've got a house that's 14 years old. I've got the 12-inch... Uh, tiles in the kitchen and I've noticed some hairline cracks going through oh about six or so of the tiles in two different places so my question is is it a substrate issue or is it possibly a foundation issue they're just they're hairline cracks but they go through the completely through the tiles oh sure yeah anytime you see any type of crack in a tile it's going through the tile completely because uh tile is just very brittle it doesn't have any give to it 
And, and typically what causes that, there's two things that can cause it. One is if the tile's not adhered real well to the substrate and has any hollow spot, it can get a crack in it. That normally would be isolated to a single tile. When it's a line like you're describing going through several tiles, it's normally an issue where there is a crack in the foundation, but all concrete cracks by nature. The fact that there is a crack in the foundation is not a huge issue. If there starts being deflection and, and other signs of movement, that's where it becomes an issue. And by that, I mean doors going out of alignment, sheetrock cracks, things like that. Mm -hmm. On the mastics, the, the stuff you use to put the tile in, they do make some that has a little bit of elasticity to them. That goes over those cracks in the foundation and doesn't, I mean, it gives it gives there a little bit of give so that the crack doesn't just come up through the tile like it does with hard-type mastics, if that's making sense to you. It does. It does make sense. And, and so that's what you would need to go down with the next time you change out that floor. And I don't know why flooring companies don't just do that automatically because the larger area of tile you have, the more likely you are you're going to hit one of those cracks, and sooner or later it's going to come through the tile. Yeah, there's no really real way to fix the cracks once they appear. Uh, once they're there, they're there. Yeah, there's other than taking that piece of tile out and putting another one in if you've got that tile, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought maybe there was a uh, small crack or something in the substrate or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will, next time I go down with the new floor, I will definitely have them put that more pliable stuff in. Yep. All right. Well, I sure appreciate it. Hey, you take care, Bobby. Take care. Bye-bye. Mentioning emails, so I do get quite a few email questions. And uh, let's see, I had one come in. My concrete patio extends about 10 foot from the back wall of the house, and 8 foot of that is covered by the natural roof line. The house has had bell-bottom piers installed a while back, and several put under the back wall in the patio area. The patio does not appear to be part of the normal house slab, and it has cracked terribly and slopes downward pretty bad from the house. There is a back sidewalk that comes off the patio, and it has also cracked and slopes down. The wall also right next to the back of the house and has had piers installed under the back wall of the house. I want to replace the patio and walk. Will it be a problem to replace working around where the piers were put in? If I want to possibly take into the house the part of the patio covered by the roof, what kind of speck of concrete should I put in and should I put a beam around the outside edge? I then may extend the patio out from the natural roof line. Any suggestions? Thanks, Ron. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, no, it is not a problem to do an addition or a patio or anything like that off the back where piers have been installed. Uh, with the exception of if you certain types of steel piers, some of them have a bracket on the outside of the foundation, that may get into your concrete. But any of the 
peer methods that were used that went directly under the foundation are definitely not a problem. And as long as the bracket that's hooked on the side of the foundation doesn't extend up above the concrete, it as well is not a problem. So in general, I'm going to say, no, it should not be a problem. As far as building it to where you can enclose it as a room later, I would give you two pieces of advice. One, if you're going to do that, make sure you have the slab engineered. And I say that because down the road, if you ever decide to take it in as a room and you go to pull permits, you may have to show that, hey, this is how that was built. And by having the engineer stamp on it and stuff, you've got the proof as far as what was done. Two, no wire mesh. Use rebar. Number three rebar on 12 to 16 inch centers is the perfect way to do a foundation and absolutely you need to put beams around the perimeter of it not just on the outside edges but where the uh, new concrete ties into the old concrete as well and here's the way that I always like to do my addition slabs that way I'm gonna dig a new trench right alongside the house where the old beam is and the new beam I'm actually going to dig up underneath the old beam about halfway back in the beam, so usually about six inches or so, six to eight inches. And yes, you're going to have those piers there. That's fine. The concrete can go around them. No big deal. You're going to want about uh, six to eight inches of concrete under that old existing beam. Then I'm going to take and start drilling into the existing beam, and I'm talking about the, the original on the house. I'm going to drill every 16 inches. I'm going to angle it coming down from the top, going down into the beam, then from the bottom, angling up. In other words, I'm going to flip-flop back and forth to tie the two beams together. And the reason I'm doing that is the worst thing people do when they're doing additions is, one, they pour 4-inch concrete up against the original beam thinking it's going to hold. Two, they don't tie the two together. And what happens is they will move independent of each other. Uh, I was at a house on, oh gosh, I can't remember what day, Thursday I think it was, where they, they had put an addition on the back side of the house, four-inch concrete up against the house, and it has a huge dip in it now. So we're going to have to go up underneath there, prop it back up, use angle iron and bolt it into the original beam to hold the addition slab. And all that simply because it wasn't tied in properly to begin with. And if you'll tie it in the way I'm, I was just describing as far as drilling the rebar and flipping it back and forth that way, you can actually put tile over that type of joint. I've got, I had a house that I uh, put a big addition on, moved the kitchen in the house, and that joint became, was running in the middle of the new kitchen. And we tiled it. I had the house and kept track of it for eight years and never got a crack in that tile. You've got to tie them together properly. And what this does for it now is if there is ever any movement in the foundation, they're going to move together as a unit so you don't have to worry about it tearing stuff up. Anyways, if you do that with the rebar and the beams and all that, you'll be just fine. As far as your beams, you're going to want them 10 to 12 inches wide and a minimum, and I mean a minimum of 18 inches deep, normally I like to see 24-inch beams. And beyond that, 
3,000 PSI concrete, you'll be good to go. You know, with the election this past week, there's been a lot of discussion as far as, you know, what's going to happen with stock markets and real estates and things like that. Brian, who is my executive producer, he had the opportunity to sit down with Todd Tremonte. And Todd fills in for me here on the show once in a while so I can take a day off because I typically work seven days a week. And when he fills in, it gives me a day off. And real estate is his alley. I mean, he really knows what he's doing there. So Brian sat down and had a discussion with him. I want to take three minutes to play that for you. In the meantime, our number, 214-787-1080. Let's talk with Brian. All right. Thanks, Jim. I am right now at uh, Todd Tremonti's office at Market Experts Realty with Todd Tremonti post-election. <laughs> and I want to get your opinion because you've been saying a lot. Yeah. A confused mind says no. Yeah. Now that the election is over, I just want your thoughts on how that affects the real estate market. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because everybody's thinking, how does the election affect fill in the blank, right? Whatever that may be. Um, as a real estate broker, that's the question I'm getting all day, every day lately. And I spent the morning training my team yesterday, and then I do some training and consulting for agents all over the country, and I spent the afternoon training on it yesterday. So it seems like all I'm talking about, which is great. The, the quick response to you is that it's not going to have much impact, and that's a good thing. Neither candidate really had a platform that had anything super directly related to residential home ownership. And in the past, that hasn't been the case. There's been commentary about regulation that could affect agents and mortgage, and there's been commentary about transfer taxes on residential property and all those things. None of those things are really at the forefront of this election. Uh, knowing that now there's a president-elect Trump moving forward, if anything, in the state of Texas, which went red, um, the general attitude is optimistic, at least about business and banking and finance and, and real estate. Again, though, even that is not really going to be a very direct thing. Most of the densely populated centers, you know, the big cities, we're a little more blue, a little bit more Democrat. So you might see slightly less optimism there, but life is going to go on. This is Texas. This is North Texas. Um, and in the Houston area, even Austin, Waco, those areas, um, there's are good economies. There's jobs. People are buying and selling homes, and um, that, that's going to continue. You've said many times, uh, you hear a lot of people say, well, fall and winter, I'm going to wait till the spring because that's when you sell and buy homes. Not so much right now, is it? Yeah, the, the quickest way for me to say that is not so much ever, right? Spring, okay. <laughs> spring and summer is great, but most of the reason people sell in spring and summer is because the kids are out of school or it's nicer looking outside. Listen, people want houses all year long. Yes, the activity tends to be a little higher in spring and summer, and it might be more convenient for you. But every home my wife and I have ever bought and lived in together, we have bought in the fall and winter. And the reason for that is there's a really unique crossing of the opportunity to buy a home from a seller who believes the spring and summer thing, and right. so they're less optimistic, okay. they'll give you a better deal, and to sell a home to a buyer that's very serious. If they're buying in the spring and I mean, in the fall and winter, they're serious, they want a house. They're not wasting time kicking tires. How can people get in touch with you guys if they're looking to sell their house right now? Yeah, anywhere across the state of Texas, you can give us a call at 844-404-SOLD, 844-404-SOLD, or online at overunderagent.com, because we do guarantee to sell houses over the average price and under the average time. Thanks a lot, Todd, and I'm going to send it back to you, Jim. Vicki, how can I help you? Well, I live in Garland. My house is about to be 46 years old. 
it's a pure beam. Okay. And, you know, ta-da, I have foundation problems. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of companies out. I'm trying to gather as much information as I can before making hopefully the correct decision, even though it's going to seems to be a very expensive decision. Um, I've also had the, the companies that I've had out, of course, they're recommending that I have it repaired yesterday. Um, I had a structural engineer out. Um, um, his recommendation is sort of a wait-and-see type thing. Um, it's only on the west wall of my house. Uh-huh. I don't have any of the jagged cracks inside at all. And I have two hairline cracks on the garage portion of the west wall. I have a jagged crack that is the worst under my kitchen window that juts out. It's not a bay window, mm-hmm. but, but it juts out. And so his recommendation was to take pictures, to measure, just to kind of, you know, watch it and see because the rain that we had a few days ago, the cracks have gone back together for the most part. And see, you're, what, the things that you're describing to me does not justify doing foundation repair. It does justify maybe doing some maintenance issues. You know, uh, and, and if the rain made the crack close up, obviously the soil is getting too dry, so you may need to do some watering, things like that. Uh, but it doesn't sound like you need full-blown foundation repair by any means. Well, they've both measured that the the biggest portion of the wall is off four-tenths to five-tenths of an inch. Oh, that yeah, that does not justify foundation repair. Oh, you are my new best friend. You know, normally I'm not I'm not recommending foundation repair unless we're in a wet season, which we are not this year. Uh, we were earlier, but we you know we got dry again. But if if the soils are hydrated and all the way up, and you're still down, say an inch, yeah, it's time to start looking at possibly doing foundation repair. But there's nothing that's in a rush about it. It's not an emergency thing. Uh, And I can tell you, if you're under a half inch, which by the numbers you just gave me, you are, absolutely not. Let's take a look at some maintenance issues to stabilize the house and and leave the thing alone. Okay. I had a malfunction on my sprinkler box uh, back in July. Yep. And I was watering every day, not knowing it. I was watering every day, so everything was really wet. Yeah. But my question is, if that's what caused it, why was it only on that wall? Because, you know, I was watering all of my stations all around the house. Well, I don't think that caused the problem. That probably actually helped keep it from getting too much worse. What do you got around the house for trees? I do have some trees on the west side. And that's a side that's moving? Yes. 
Yeah, and see if if the if you started doing a lot of watering, the trees find that moisture, they will actually send more roots in that direction to try to get that moisture. Hence, it starts moving the foundation faster. Okay. And so that could be part of it, but normally it takes longer than a, than a few months for that to happen. So I'm thinking it's just a matter of, <clears throat> excuse me, it's just a matter of the weather cycles we've been going through where it's been getting dry. Um, you know, granted, we had some rain last week, but prior to that, we were actually getting back into drought conditions, and that has started moving foundations again. But it really sounds like you're catching yours early enough that, no, you're, you're going to need to do some maintenance issues, possibly a root barrier, definitely some irrigation, uh, and then leave it. Okay, so what are you recommending for irrigation? Well, normally what I tell people is it needs a little bit of water daily. And by that, I uh, typically I'll put a drip irrigation system around. Now, homeowners can put in a soaker hose themselves. But when we install a system, I put in a drip irrigation system that hooks up to a sprinkler box, so it's on a timer, and we set it to go off twice a day, 15 minutes each time. So it's giving it just a small amount of water, but on a regular basis, because the soils will only absorb about an eighth of an inch an hour. The rest of it runs off, so by giving it just a little bit that way, it allows it to soak deep down, because it's the top five, six, seven feet that expand and contract with that moisture change it's impossible to keep the soil dry all the time so we got to keep it moist and keep it expanded and keep the house up that way okay so does your do west company do the drip irrigation systems oh yes ma'am uh in fact my oldest son johan uh he's an engineer and a licensed irrigator both okay well i will be calling you in the morning then well, I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. I, I definitely appreciate you taking my call. Not a problem, Vicki. You have a great afternoon. And by Thank all you. means, do not worry about this because this is not a big problem at all. Oh, and I have worried, worried, worried. No problem. You take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let me give you another quick email that came in. I enjoy listening to your show. We have a second-story flat roof porch with covered porch below. The house is about 20 years old, and the roof has been repaired about four times. It will be fine for a while, but then starts leaking through the roof of the covered patio below. Can you please recommend a good roofing contractor who will be able to fix this problem once and for all? Thank you, Leslie. Absolutely. Arrington Roofing can absolutely take care of that roofing problem for you. And, you know, I, I, I understand it's very troublesome for you when when the roof starts leaking but one of the problems that we run into with flat roofs that way is the fact that the uh, porch on the top is probably fairly flat and even a flat roof has to have some fall to it in order for the water to roll off of it otherwise it'll just sit there and it will penetrate through the roofing materials and I got an idea that's what's happening to you. So that may need to be take, you know, looked at in order to make sure we get a little slope. Now, the fact that you got a deck on top of it means the roof itself is going to have to be below. And so you should have, be able to put a little slope on that part, run the water out underneath. 
the deck boards, you know, the rain goes through the deck boards, gets down to where the roofing material is, and it's going to have to be a rubberized membrane, and that slopes out and takes the water out to the edge. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.